Well, praise the Lord. Why don't we humble ourselves and pray right now? Thank you, Kathy. Lord, we love you. And uh, I pray that right now we would learn even more of how to lay ourselves before you. Every bit of who we are and every bit of who we hope to be in you as we, as we learn, as we read, as we take to heart, as, we, as it becomes more and more who we are, what, that person that you say that we are. Now let's dive into this word and live it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Ken and Kathy Hatley are celebrating the birth of their fifth grandchild. I know there's no way Kathy looks like she could even have one grandchild, right? But Ken, I'm just kidding. I'm a kidder. Congratulations to the Hatleys. What a, what a sweet event that is. All right, so like Pastor Fred said <clears throat> earlier, we've uh, opened up the book of Ephesians. We're reading in chapter 1, and we are learning what, who we are in Christ. That these amazing blessings that we have being in Christ. Now, admittedly, just, just reading the text, this is a text for believers, Four followers of Christ. Paul was writing this letter to the believers, the church in Ephesus. So today as you're listening, as you're watching, that this message is for believers. It, or it, the message is to believers, but it's not just for believers. If you're an unbeliever today, or if you're searching, if you're trying to figure it out, if you're on the fence today, uh, maybe a pandemic has caused you to open up your eyes once again to this church and God and all of that. Let me tell you, this is what you can look forward to in a life surrendered to Jesus. And it is wonderful. So I'm inviting you today. You are going to be invited all morning, all through this sermon, all through this text, all through this series to come to Christ. This is what waits for you. Come to Jesus today. The invitation is for you. For believers, you need to be asking yourself, is this what I believe about myself? Am I living it? It's one thing to say it. It's one thing to say you believe it. It's one, another thing to live like you believe it. it to say it, that I believe this is who I am, in Christ and then live a different way is in effect Christian atheism. To say you believe in God but live like you don't. To say you believe that this is who I am in Christ but then live defeated. Live fearful. Live uncertain. You can be certain of who you are in Christ. Not because of you but because of Christ. Let's, let's just get that set in our minds. That all of this that we're going to be looking at in this Scripture, over and over in this passage, it's in Christ. In Christ. In Him. In the Beloved. In Him. So let's look, uh, look at this again. Now last week, we, uh, Pastor Fred, so 
wonderfully reminded us that we are chosen in Christ. It's just good to be chosen. As we're chosen in Christ, and we're, we're not chosen just to make us happy, we're chosen for a purpose. God, God has made us holy, He has separated us, He has set us apart for His purpose, and He has made us blameless. Wow. Praise the Lord. Well, I, mean, I mean, that right there is shouting material. He has chosen us, He has made us holy, and He has made us blameless. Praise the Lord. I mean, whoo! Right there. So that's where, we, that's where we've been. And it, there's more. There's several verses more. And we're going to dive into that. Just a few things today. Look with me again, if you will, in your, in your Bible. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to go through verses 3 through 6 again together. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Okay, here we go. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, you read that and you're like, oh, that sounds really nice. What we need to wrap our heads around the fact that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Whew. Wow. In the heavenly places, in Christ, we've been blessed in such a way. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's read on. Uh, verse 4. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. Wow. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, Oh, the grace of God, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Capitalized, Beloved. That's, that's Jesus in the Beloved. Amen. Three big thoughts uh, in this passage I want us to cover today. Three big thoughts. They're really big. Alright? So, please pray with me as I speak. That it is the Word of God. That it is Holy Spirit speaking through me. That I, uh, that I don't get encumbered by trying to over-explain something. Just let Holy Spirit have His way. Each thought is so ginormous. That's a great word. I just Someone invented it. It's a great word though. Each thought is so ginormous that it, you can get stuck here and miss this one. Or stuck here and miss the others. Let's pray right now that we would have a focus on the wonder of, this, of these thoughts right now. Amen? Here we go. So big thought, number one. What does Paul mean? What does it mean to be predestined? There, I said it. It must be something because it's there. In the Word, right? It must be a thing because it's there. I didn't say it. God did through Paul. Alright, so what does it mean? Well, let's, in order to unpack such a thing as this, when it comes to formulating or defending doctrine, 
It's important to understand words. Words mean things. Words aren't used haphazardly by God. He chose the words who He was going to use. And He didn't do that just thoughtlessly. This word is there and it has a meaning. We want, to, we want the Word of God, especially the words of God, to formulate our doctrine. We don't want to put words in God's mouth. Let's not, get about being do, let's not be about doing that. We want to use words that come out of His mouth to determine our beliefs and not put words into His mouth telling Him what we believe. Alright? So when you get to a word like this, you, you need to understand it. You need to understand it historically. You need to understand it contextually. You need to understand it culturally. You've got to look at all of that put together. And you know what? You've got to look in its original language. And the original language here is Greek. This word was spoken and written in Greek. And the word here in the... In, well, let me just... The modern usage for this word, predestined, is this. To destine, decree, determine, appoint, to settle beforehand. Right? So what is the Greek word? Let's just break, that, break the Greek word down. The Greek word right here in the Scripture is prohorizo. Prohorizo. Horizo means this. Horizo means to mark off boundaries. To mark off boundaries, to determine limits. To mark off boundaries, to determine limits. Pro, before that, modifies that word and it means this. First. To do it first. To do it before. So prohorizo means this in the Greek. To preset or predetermine boundaries, limits, margins, borders. That's what that word means right here in this context. So what did God predetermine? What did He predestine? God's predetermined preset he's predetermined and he's preset the boundaries the method the means for us to be chosen to be adopted and to be blessed with all these heavenly blessings and he's done that in Christ it's not haphazardly done it is done thoughtfully it has predetermined the boundaries and all. How we should become chosen. How we should become blessed. And he's, in the boundaries there are in His Son Jesus. We are chosen in Him. He has predetermined the means, the method by which we would be saved. And that's in Jesus. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to worry about it. He's taking care of all of that. It's been predetermined and preset. All we have to do is walk in it. Y'all, if you call yourselves followers of Christ, if you believe that, if that's who you are, do you know that there's a God who loves you, who loves His creation so much that He predetermined how we would come to Him before we were even born, before the world was ever created. That's a great God. We ought to be jumping for joy. It's all about Jesus. You know why? 
Because it's accomplished all of it in Jesus. As we talk about this, I think uh, as I talk with Brother Fred and Eric and others about this, it helps me put it into this concept. It helps me put it into something more I can wrap my head around when I, when I put it in perspective with God's foreknowledge. This is your next blank if you're keeping up. What is foreknowledge? We know that from Scriptures that God is all-knowing, that He is above time and He knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything beforehand because He lives in the future as well in the, as in the present. Time is virtually meaningless to Him because He is above and He's beyond time. Suffice it to say that God knows everything before it happens in time and He knows the choices that you and I are going to make in advance of making them. Now this is something. When you really start thinking about this, it's going to make smoke come out of your ears. The, the, the gears are going to grind and you're going to be like the robot in Lost in Space. And you're, and you're going to be like, does not come here, does not come here. I was real little when that show was on TV. I barely remember that. All right? So, think of it like this. Time, as we see time, is, a li- is linear. Okay? As we see time, it's linear. Okay? You and I can only exist in this moment. In the present. That's all we're capable of. Now, we can look backward and see things or uh, remember things that have happened in the past. Learn from them. It's important that we write down such. It's important that we remember that. The way they actually happened and not altered for some political agenda. But it's important for us to remember that. It's important for us to look back and see that. Understanding that we can only live in the present. We can't go back there and fix things. Boy, don't you wish... We could push a pause on life and go back and select a couple of things and press delete and redo. Boy, my goodness, I wish I hadn't have said that to Leanne. You know what I mean? I wish I'd have said it better. You know what? I wish I just hadn't gotten up that day. I wish I'd just slept in. Something like that. We don't get that though. Those knots on the head that we receive through those experiences though, if we are wise, we will use them, allow God to use them to grow us. So we can only see backward, we can only exist in the present. And the best we can do about the future is predict it. Based on the past and the present, the best we can do is predict the future. It's on a line. You can't see into the future. And you can see into the past, but some, it gets more and more vague the farther you go back. The, really, the most clarity we have is right here. God is not like that at all. The Bible says He's above time. He can look down on our linear timekeeping. And He can see 
back here, just as clearly as here, just as clearly as out there. He can see it all. He's above it, He's below it, He's all around it. God is so much bigger than our concept of time. Think of it like this. If you could take a Polaroid picture of every moment of your life, right? Young folks, Polaroid pictures or these cameras <laughs> that you could... You take this picture, and the thing came out, and it costs a lot of money. And, but it's a, and almost, you know, and you, you shake it, you'd shake it and try to get it to, I don't know, somebody said if you shook it, it would, you see the picture quicker. Alright, so it's Polaroid pictures, right? If you could take a Polaroid picture of every moment of your life and do one of those little flip books, you know, and you'll flip through and it looks like the boy's running, you know, that's, just think you could, that, you could capture every moment of your life like that. How many Polaroid pictures that would be? For some of y'all, not as many as others. A, long, a lot of Polaroid pictures you see every moment like that. It would take something like that to capture every moment of our lives, right? Understand, every moment of existence, every moment, from the time God spoke and the worlds began, Every breath that's ever been taken by any human living, any living creature in the past, living now, and living through eternity, all of that, in God's perspective, is one Polaroid picture. He exists in all of it. Above it, He holds it. He spins it, plays soccer with it, whatever He wants to do. He is so much bigger than our concept of time. He right now is, exists in the past. He right now exists in the present. He right now exists in the future. And that kind of stuff is the kind of stuff when you say that you have to go, hold on a minute. I need a minute to try to figure that out. So, because of who God is, his, in His foreknowledge, He knows exactly who's going to say yes and who's going to say no to Him. But it doesn't mean that He makes it happen. Because He's God, He can know who's going to say yes and who's going to say no. And still let it be our choice. I know it. I know you're like, what, what? Wait a minute. That's twice you said something and I just don't... Whoa! He can know and still let it be our choice. I don't know that I'm ever going to fully get all that. I understand that. Until I get to glory. And I don't know that I meant to. I think I just had to trust Him. I think I just had to have faith in Him. Foreknowledge is kind of like this. Say a parent walks out in the yard and sees his child or her child poking a hornet's nest. This is a stick, by the way. And, you, and that parent says, Johnny, that could be with a Y or an I-E. Little Johnny, son, daughter, 
<clears throat> you ought to quit doing that. Because if you do, if you don't, those hornets are going to come out and light you up. Like the 4th of July. Alright? Does that parent know that that's going to happen because they can see it? Or just knows it's going to happen from experience and wisdom? That's the difference with God. He can see it. But we have a foreknowledge in that way as well. Now, if that child is like, nah, yeah, whatever. You know, if those of you who are parents, you, 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 you get it. Yeah, it won't happen to me, poke. <laughs> Did that mean that that parent made that happen? Or did that parent just understand? If you continue on this course, these will be the circumstances. Very likely. Foreknowledge is something like that with God. Except for the peace that He knows what you're going to do. He knows what I'm going to do. It's a huge concept. God knows who's going to say yes to Him. He knows who's going to say no. And He's going to let it be our choice. And He has predetermined the means by which we can accept Him. And it's Jesus. And that's what we need to be focused on. Choosing. We've been chosen. We need to choose Him. So that's the first big thought. Now let me, let me just... There's a couple of Scriptures I just want to read to you to go along with this thought. John 14, 6 says this, Jesus said to him, I'm the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. There is the means. And the, and the, here's the boundary. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Here are the limits. Here are the boundaries. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, says this, <clears throat> And there is salvation in no one else. There aren't many ways to God. That's not what the Bible says. There's not. There, there's one way to God. And salvation is in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That name is, say it with me, Jesus. Jesus. So big thought number two. Alright, do we need, do we need a break? Big thought number two. What does it mean whew, to be adopted? What does it mean to be adopted by God? Look at Galatians chapter 4, 4 and 5 with me real quick. But when the fullness of time had come... God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. As sons. Praise the Lord. There are four significances of Roman adoption that I want us to look at today. Because when we talk, again, when... When Paul is writing this, you have to understand in the context, and historically, culturally, 
the, his point of view from speaking about adoption would be the Roman view of adoption. Okay? So we're going to look at four significant things about Roman adoption. And then I want to tell you about how significant this is to my family, personally. I want to share a little, a little bit about that. Adoption is precious to my family. You know, I often tell people, uh, I have an older son. I have an older son. I have a daughter. I have a son, a daughter, and then I have a Cooper. He's just Cooper. He is so special. He is so unique. He's so independent. He is so precious to me and to Leanne. You know, Leanne, er, we had two children and we had so much fun, you know, doing that. We thought we would try to have another one. And that just wasn't working. We tried all the things that you try and it just wasn't working. So, God, I was at a Stephen Curtis Chapman concert. Now again, I was really, really little. No, I, I was at a Stephen Curtis Chapman concert and he was talking about adoption and just the miracle of that in their lives. And I called Leanne and I said, Sweetheart, I think God wants us to adopt. And Leanne said, Well, he hadn't told me that. So we continued to pray through that and in the process uh, uh, started entering into that process. And it was very difficult for us to be considered as a family to adopt because we already had two children biologically. So it was difficult for us. But we, continued, we just felt like that's what God wanted us to do. And we continued to pray. And we had an adoption fail and not go through. And I wondered why, 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 Lord? And then God made it clear to us one day. Leanne, uh, if you don't know, Leanne, my wife's a nurse. Uh, she, uh, and she spent many years working as a labor and delivery and postpartum nurse in a hospital, uh, from, in a place where we used to live. And uh, one day, now Liam was not working this day, she was off. But one day the elevator opened and a lady came off the elevator and she was in labor and she said, um, I'm going to have this baby. I'm in labor now, but I, I, I can't keep the baby. We're just, we just can't keep the baby. Do y'all know anybody who wants to adopt? And <laughs> they were like, yes, we do. So my wife got a call on a Friday that this baby was being born. Uh, on a Monday, that little bundle of joy came home with us. Cooper. Adoption is precious to us. Extremely Important to us. Precious. There are four things I want you to know from, about this. As we talk about adoption. When, when you're adopted, you get a new name and you get a new family. First, in, in Roman adoption, the adopted person lost all their rights, all their to their old family. But the good news is you got all the rights. You were gained 
uh, you lost all the rights of the old family, but you gained all the rights for the new family. They received a new name. They received a new family. When Cooper was born, knowing that he, he didn't have a name. We got to choose that name. We got to pray over that name. And God gave us Cooper, Andrew, Hartley. You know, when we're adopted into God's family, He chooses you. He chooses your name. And He gives us everyone this name. Child of God. There for a few days, Cooper didn't have a family. He was in this limbo place. His biological parents just were not prepared to be that family. But you know what? Leanne and I had prayed and our hearts were full and we were so ready to take Him into our family and to give Him that family. He got a brother and a sister. Claire was so excited about a little baby. Her first couple nights she slept on the floor underneath Cooper's crib. So excited about this little fella coming home to live with us. Same as with us. When we're adopted by God, we get a, a new daddy. We get an Abba. And an Egyptian uh, fella lived with us for a while. Uh, exchange student. Abba is Hebrew for daddy. Baba is Arabic for dad. And Emmanuel, because Chance and Claire and Cooper called me dad. Emmanuel called me Baba or dad. We get in God, not just father, but a daddy. We have Abba. Father, a new name and a new family. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are all brothers and sisters to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. The other thing about Ro- another thing about Roman uh, adoption is that we get uh, that, uh, that the one being adopted was an heir to the father's estate. So the second significance is that in Roman adoption was that he was every bit a part of, or she was every bit a part of that estate. Even if there were children born naturally to the father and the adopted son or daughter's rights as an heir were not affected in any way. He was equally joint heir with those biological siblings. Let me tell you something. Cooper is my son. End of story. He's my boy. And I'm proud of him. I will f- mm. There's no asterisk by his name. He has the same rights, the same privileges, the same restrictions, the same expectations, the same protection. 
as any other child. As my two biological born children. He is my son. Period. He's my legal heir. Nothing will change that. The way I feel about him. Nothing. You know, the same is true of God. You are his heir. As a follower of Christ, you are his heir. Joint heirs with Jesus to the kingdom of God and all the blessings, all of it. The Roman adoptee also gained a new, he became a new person with a new life. Literally, legally, in the Roman view of adoption, the old life of that person was completely wiped out. And the one being adopted was regarded a new person. He was given a new life, which the past had nothing to do with. Cooper's original birth certificate that was just so much detail left out was sealed. Cannot be opened. His new birth certificate says he is the son of Derek Hartley. He is the son of Leanne Hartley. We, and, and that is the birth certificate. He is, that, that can't be changed. You cannot be unadopted. He has a new birth certificate to go along with his new identity. And whatever the circumstances were that led to his need to be adopted by us did not matter anymore. He was my, my son. He's my boy. And I love him. All of that past, all of what those circumstances were, are left behind. And he's a new person now, with a new identity and a new life. That I get to share with him. He blessed my heart yesterday. He called me. How much longer are you going to be at Home Depot? Not long. Will you come home and watch a movie with me? You bet your life. Come on, honey, hurry up. Don't rush me. <laughs> so, that's another sermon. All right. So there's, uh, he, it's the same with God. When we are adopted into God's family, you ready? All of the circumstances that led to your need to be adopted don't matter anymore. You've gotten a new name. And a new life. 
That's all in the past now. And you get to share it with your Abba Father who loves you so much more than I can possibly love my son. Does God love him? And you and me. Praise the Lord. And finally, this adoption in Roman, the Roman adoption, was a permanent arrangement. Nothing existed that could alter this adoption. It could not be nullified or challenged. It was finished, complete, done, never to be undone. And there's nothing that anyone can ever do and nothing that can, anyone can ever say to make Cooper no longer my son. He is my son. And as imperfect as I am, that's true. Let me tell you about a perfect God. There's nothing anyone can ever say or do to make you no longer a child of God. He has you. He's holding you as His child. Child of God. In the palm of His hand. And if God has a hold of you, who's going to pry His fingers off? Who's going to do that? You're His. And He is yours. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Now, I need a break. But there's one more thought. What does it mean to be accepted? In some translations, that word is blessed. In the New King James Version, it's accepted. In the English Standard Version, it's blessed. In other versions, it's favored there in verse 6. What does that mean? And what that means is in English, we don't have a good word. So it's this, because we have been chosen... Because we've been made holy. Because, because we've been predestined. Because we've been adopted. Because we have this great purpose. We are, we are blessed, favored, accepted. All of that. Now, we need one word to say all of that's what we are. We are accepted, favored, blessed. Let me, let me explain something to you. We cannot make ourselves acceptable to God. Because of what He has done in choosing us and predestining the means through His Son Jesus, He's chosen us in Christ and favored us in Christ and made us holy in Christ and all the, adopted us in Christ. Because of all of these things, we have been made acceptable. You see, we can't come before God. Impossible. We wouldn't get close. We would be consumed by who He is, by His holiness and righteousness. But He, because He loves us, has gone to these great measures to do all this to make us acceptable. So we can come to Him. Y'all, when Christ breathed His last, the curtain was torn over the Holy of Holies. And we can come into His presence now in Christ. We're accepted. We're favored. We're blessed. Contrary to what culture says, 
Jesus Christ and what He did. God through His Son Jesus accepts us. But He absolutely refuses to leave us just the way we are. He will, through a process called discipleship, constantly be making us more like His Son Jesus. Burning off the dross. Sharpening the iron. Removing the chaff. So let's just sum up today. Who we are by the precious grace of God. I'm in Christ. I'm incredibly blessed in Christ. I'm chosen in Christ. I'm made holy and blameless in Christ. I am predestined to being adopted in Christ. And I am accepted in Christ. That's my invitation to you today is, if you're not a follower of Christ, how could you not want this? How could you not? You may still have questions. It may not all make sense to you just yet. You know, you, you, maybe you've not memorized the words to the, a hymn or a verse of Scripture yet. You think you've got boxes to check. Maybe you've got to quit these habits or these hang-ups or these hurts. You've got, you got to clean yourself up. No, you don't. No, no, no. Just come to Jesus. And let Him begin the process in you making you more like Himself. Come to Jesus. Because this is what you get. Come to Jesus today. If you are a follower of Christ, are you living like this is who you are? Are you living? Look, the altar is open. You come. Let's stand.